My name is Mark Solomon, and this is Never Was. I never was a counselor or a therapist. I think they're both the same. No, I just, I never was great at saying just the right thing at just the right time or asking that, that perfect question, you know? In fact, I'm, I'm usually way, way better at the other, the opposite. I'm really good at not keeping my big mouth shut. No, I just, I was never great at getting someone to look at their situation differently. You know, sometimes I, I have my moments, but I would not say I'm the guy to go to if you want to, to back off and then reassess things and work it out. You know, I'm not great at that. Um, I've also, I've never been to a counselor. I've never been to a therapist, so maybe I should so I could learn how to do that, how to be better at that. The point I'm getting at here is though, isn't my failures as a counselor, because let's be honest, some people might have it and some people might not. Um, But the reason why I've never been to a counselor or a therapist is because of the way I grew up and the culture I was raised in. This, This culture that sort of looks at therapy and counseling as a taboo. You know, are you looking towards therapy for help outside your church? Because that's kind of considered sinful, if I'm being honest. It's been, it's been made out to be that. The implication being that you're not just uh, seeking help from someone who doesn't know what's wrong with you, but that you're, you're seeking help from someone who doesn't know that what's wrong with you is your fault and that you're doing that on purpose. That's a jam up, man. You can't get out of that, you know? Um... There's this sort of hint around that that when you go to counseling, you're looking for help from someone who doesn't understand that whatever's going on with you is sin-related, you know? And it's just like, oh, you're turning to man for answers and not God. You're circumventing the hard shit. As if to say, going to a therapist will involve zero prayer or something. I don't know. It's just very, it's just this weird taboo of like clinically looking at your situation. Um... And here's here's a real winner. Take it a step further. It has been implied and, and suggested that seeking help from a professional is in and of itself the result, a result of a problem of sin. And maybe even the, the problem of sin for which you're seeking help. That's a pretty vicious cycle, which leaves you at the mercy of seeking help from man because they're implying you should be going to your church your pastor and I'm not saying don't do that I'm not saying that I don't think that's better because I do I, a pastor who knows you I, I certainly think that that's better but I gotta tell you if you need help and you feel like you need to go to a counselor to get that help at least to start talking about it you should do that counselor therapist pastor youth leader they're all humans okay None of them is any more powerful. Some of them have been given gifts to teach or whatever, but they're still human beings. God can still use each of them the same. I believe that. It it took me a long time to come to that, 
you know? Because that taboo is still just sort of hanging over it, you know? But I believe that a person is just a person and that as long as you're in prayer and communion with God, whoever you turn to when you know you need help, you should just turn to that person. Because the worst thing is not getting the help. I believe this. I believe this now. It was years of struggling with this thing. Because I, to be honest, I, I got some shit I got to work out, man. And it's not something I necessarily want to f- talk to a, a guy who's going to see me on Sunday every week about. <laughs> anyway, my guest tonight, I, I, I got to get to him. The reason I, I'm talking about this is that my guest tonight, whether or not he knows it or not, he kind of ironically became a counselor to me you know he's he's got a great story it's a heavy story and it took some serious courage to tell because he knows that the people who know him are probably going to hear this um, and I gotta tell you I I it, it hit me hard okay um it's not all grim man there's some real light at the end of that tunnel my guest tonight is Chris Bowden. And like I said, his story is a tough one. It required a lot of courage to own. He had to own his he had to own his shit as they say. But before we start, I just want to ask this. Does this sound like a guy who isn't looking to God for help? You tell me. Please welcome former drummer of the original spirit-filled hardcore band Focused an actual merbaby, and currently the man behind other desert cities, Chris Bowden. But first... You know, I just gotta say, a pretty major week. I'll give an update in a minute on some good news, but I just want to say a quick thank you to the Bad Christian Podcast guys for having me on their show last week. It was very sweet of you. Even for Packer fans. Um... Yeah, it was great. I was on the show. If you didn't catch it, it's, I think, episode number 82. And uh, yours truly, first returning guest, ladies and gentlemen. How's that? Um, They stayed at my house. Surprisingly tidy for uh, rock and roll guys. Okay. Special thanks tonight to our new Patreon patrons, Chris Mitchell and Robbie. This is going to be tough. Robbie Bingerman. Bingerman? Bingerman is what I'm going with. I'm going with Bingerman. Robbie Bingerman and Chris Mitchell, you guys rule. And as such, you shall be recognized from here on out as officially knighted into the non-kingdom of never was. Congratulations. It is good for nothing. Except for love. And um, perhaps a firm handshake. What did they do to receive such an honor, you might ask? They simply clicked on the Patreon link at iNeverWas.com and followed the Yellow Brick Road. Go to the show page for tonight's episode. You'll see a little link on there. Click on it and you're good. Uh, pretty simple. I've mentioned it before. It's a way of contributing to projects you believe in. Uh, you commit to anything you want to. A buck a month, five bucks a month, one million dollars a month, whatever you can do. By the way, if it's one million dollars a month, you could um, just email me. I'll give you my number. Let's hang out. Anyway, my motivation behind the Patreon account right now, it, it's not for me but for the people and the gear needed to make these shows. At any moment, you are going to hear sirens in the background. It's just like almost, I can't get out of it. I live in a tiny town, but for whatever reason, where our home is, it's like every siren and every ambulance drives right by here. We're not even by the hospital. It's bizarre. 
so yeah, you know, we need to soundproof. There's a bomb shelter outside. I want to start doing the show from out there, but it's going to cost some bread to make that happen. Also, there are people who put a bunch of work, Billy in particular, who puts a bunch of work into this show every week, and I'm trying to make it worth his time. The money at this point is not for me. You know, maybe when Million Dollar a Week guy shows up, we can talk. Uh, which brings me to my good news. And by good news, I mean amazing. Answer to prayer level elite news. I just confirmed a camera gig with NASCAR that will take me all over the country. I'm a camera assist. That's my job. It's hard work, but it's great. I love doing it. And I just wanted to publicly say thank you. Thanks to those praying for me and for Stephanie and I to make this happen. This is kind of a major need in our lives. And thanks to my good buddy Alex for making this happen. He was my, my window. And of course, thanks to God for blowing a little wind into my sail. And um, I have to say my faith is at a, a particularly high level right now. So what does that mean for you, Never Was This? Well, it means that I might be in your town. And uh, if I'm there and you're there and there's time, maybe we should get together and tell your story. I think that that might be kind of wonderful. Ask Jason Evans. Uh, it was a great experience for me, although uh, the audio got destroyed. It was great to meet a, a complete stranger and just sit down and have a cup of coffee. It was awesome. So if the Sprint Cup Series comes through your town, please keep an eye out. I'll be there and I will make announcements uh, every week as soon as I know the details. So uh, definitely consider coming out. That's what the show is for. So yes, I get to work. I get to eat. But in the meantime, I ask if, you, if it's in you and if you feel like doing it, drop a couple bucks in the, in the Patreon account so I can get these people uh, taken care of. I appreciate the work that they do. And honestly, it's, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> um, okay, that's enough. Let's move on to Chris Bowden. sir how long has it been since i saw you let's see we lived in the long beach area um moved in there in 2001 um in that complex and Mm -hmm. you and steph i don't know when you guys moved into that complex we moved in in 2003 right after we got married got it um Um, i mean I i already lived there but then she moved in with me oh got it um so just to throw it out there when i got divorced (laughs) that was 2004 so i think that was the last time i saw you yeah man 10 years 11 years 10 years ago but i was thinking about the long beach kind of uh those apartments next to each other and just the people that were there you know i thought it was so fun oh my gosh ryan and crystal ryan denis crystal yeah mark and angie were there uh Lisa and Danny were below us. It was just, it was just pretty cool. It's pretty fun. Okay, pretty so neat. let's talk. Let's talk about that <laughs> for a moment because, okay, Mark and Angie, I remember they were yeah. always really nice. They were like right across from us because yeah. we were in the other complex. Right, you right. guys were in the cool one, and we were in the ship box. <laughs> and like the lady underneath us, whenever we tried to. We had a treadmill inexplicably in our tiny little apartment. And whenever Stephanie tried to use the treadmill, 
it was always like a major, major ordeal, huh? Oh man, she'd come upstairs. What are you doing? So I'm trying to sleep. It's it's five o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> Exercising. Well, I'm trying to watch television. Well, you know, what do you want from me, lady? So yeah, the uh, joys we lived there of apartment living, <laughs> sharing walls. Oh yeah, sharing and three that, walls. There was that random couple on our side in the very front. They were on the bottom floor in the very fr- front unit, right wow. next to Termino. Pretty loud. What was it? What were their names? Uh, no, I said, were they pretty loud? No, but it was like the the dude was on, on your on your floor on your on our floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. African American dude. I forget his no, name. No, he was on top. He was upstairs. Yeah, 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 yeah. The guy below him. Oh, okay. And his wife and their kid were in, or his girlfriend or whatever, and their kid were in there. And I'm pretty sure that that guy wanted to kill me, like basically from day one of moving in there. He was not a fan of, not a fan of me. But so yeah, we'll get to why this happened. But we eventually ended up taking over your apartment. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, you're you're the reason why we we uh, you actually told them. I'm sure you've forgotten this. You had a few other things on your mind at the time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you actually told the, the, the landlords, Hey, we have a tenant ready to move in when I'm, when we're out of here, don't rent the place out. They want it, you wow. know, wow. which was awesome. We were super stoked cause we wanted that place so bad it's out cool being place. in front. It's a cool place. Fun well, place. well, it, <laughs> there were cool things about it. Yes. Yes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> in fact, I wrote the first Neon Horse record, most of the lyrics from the first Neon Horse record, I wrote in that front little weird yeah. office thing. Totally. kind of, I loved that little room. Yeah. Um, but we got in there and they completely redid the floors and, and, and painted all the walls and all that stuff. But for those of you who didn't see it, which is anyone listening to this, um, it was on the top floor of this apartment complex, but it was the only apartment on the top floor. Everything else was bottom floor. And then the like the back door of this apartment it basically opened up onto the roof yep. and the roof was your patio, yep. you know, which they weren't crazy about us using. They didn't really want us to use it, but we did anyway. And it was a great spot because it was so, it was so open. There's all these windows and, you know, mm-hmm. and, you're kind of not having any neighbors except the guy that lived beneath us. And um, the first crazy thing that happened was the um, it started to rain, which never happens, obviously. But it rained really, really hard when we first moved in. Okay, And it seems like moving across the driveway to another place would, would be all sweet and awesome. But actually what happened was... It took us like three days. I mean, because you're basically just carrying whatever you can in your arms and walking it across. <laughs> and it was, you know, you go through the front door of this place and you go up these really steep stairs. The problem was that we only had one key and we locked ourselves out of the apartment <laughs> like twice. And it started raining and I'm like trying to scale the wall and come through the window. It was, dude, it was crazy. <laughs> but, you know, we got in there and everything was cool. It's just that something was weird. It started, it, it, it Whenever it would rain, it would smell really strangely. And um, we didn't have any furniture, really, except for a couple small couches. And 
and we hadn't really hung anything on the walls yet. Yeah. And I noticed one day that there was just like a small indoor fountain <laughs> of water <laughs> trickling down the wall. And then you look down at the bottom and you realize, oh my gosh, all this new paint that they put on here is Toast. is completely warping because there's water leaking behind the wall. Was there carpet in there or was there hardwood floors? What they had taken there? the carpet out and they put hardwood floors in. It was it looked awesome. All hardwood floors? Yeah. Because oh, because when we moved in there, I ripped up the hardwood floor or most of those, the carpet, and I did the hardwood floors. Actually, Ryan came over and helped me fill some gaps. Ryan's a knee. No kidding. And, uh, but it left some of the carpet. But they must have just taken it all out then. Yeah, they took it all out. They refinished the floors, but they painted them with this really sticky, uh, like a stain. Yeah. So that whenever you walked across the floor, it was like, you know. Anyway, all that stuff is whatever. You know, it was a cheap apartment. It, yep. it, it was a sweet little spot to live in. And then the chuds came out. Uh, one morning. I don't know what a chud is. Cannibalistic humanoid underground dweller. Oh, like the movie Chud. That's right. Oh man, we are old. Then the Chuds came out. <laughs> We're in the bedroom. It's like a Sunday morning, waking up to go to church. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, the podcast is about to get real blue. Uh, I hear moaning. <laughs> it's getting, it's increasing in intensity. And there is like the most pornographic sounding <laughs> action happening down in the floor beneath us. <laughs> and I mean, dude, my wife is, she's just not a person who we're not public about our, our personal life, right. you know, it's just right. not right. for anyone else. And you know, we don't, we don't watch certain shows for the, for mm -hmm. the reason. And I mean, dude, to wake up and hear that, like Stephanie was freaking scarred. <laughs> And you know, like we saw the girl do the walk of shame as she left the place. I mean, it was just brutal. Uh, well, who? I mean, you don't name names, but I don't. I don't remember who lived down no, there. No, it was I, some guy was that there, was living so. there. Some kind of like, I don't know, young, good-looking dude with. I think he had a really good job. He seemed to have some bread, but you know, driving like a pretty nice car and all that. And he just like had some random girl in there and it was just, dude, uh, it was uh. so disconcerting. And Stephanie <laughs> was bummed. And right then we're like, okay, this is probably not going to work out. And, oh uh, man, I'm sorry. That's it's not your fault. We called the dudes <laughs> and we're like, hey, listen guys, um, the apartment is leaking left and right. And the, the, the walls are very thin. <laughs> <laughs> yep, absolutely. That place that's, was probably built in 1930. Yeah, that's all we told him. The walls are very thin, and I, I'm. I mean, we were like Stephanie was sick from the day we moved uh, in. She started getting sick, and so uh, we're like, "What's going on here?" And I, you know, I'm sure that there was black mold all through it. We found it in the windowsill and the bathroom and all that. So they like, they're like, we're still six months into a year long lease, and they're just like, "Okay, well, you can go. Uh, we'll refund you your money. Bye." And then that was it. They. They knew, you know, they knew that they were uh, kind of cutting a few corners there. <laughs> so you guys are in there for six months. Oh, you you, li you did live there six months. Yeah, dude, we split. We went around the street and around the corner and uh, lived over on Newport Boulevard. Uh, you know, it all it's all good because yeah, you know, we eventually ended up getting our house and uh, in Costa Mesa and getting out of there entirely. But man. Oh, Dude, I'll never forget that morning, man. Stephanie was so freaked out because it was like, it was hardcore. <laughs> like, Dude, are you trying to set a record or something? What's going on down here? You know, 
Mark, I mean, we just talked earlier about how the ba- those bad Christian dudes talk about sex all the time. <laughs> yeah, dude. You Your it. first story is, man, let me tell you about this. Let me tell you about the porno house underneath <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah, sorry. That's well, for you, we- uh, bad Christian guys. <laughs> beneath the city of New York are living catacombs, an endless maze of subterranean tunnels unfit for anything human. Unauthorized for anything experimental. Hold it! There's something moving up ahead at the top! And unlikely to bring anyone down there. So... (laughs) They're coming up. Chud. Check your basement and your bathroom. Keep off the street and try to hide. But remember, the dark is their place. The night is their time. And tomorrow, the only things living in the city of New York will be Chud. Chud. Cannibalistic. Humanoid underground dwellers. Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. I guess we can start when we first met because, Mm. I mean, we're talking, it's got to be, when did you join Focus? Let me ask that. All right. So people have no idea who I am, which is fine. I'm fine (laughs) with that. Just to let people know, I played drums in the band Focused. I think they're Tooth and Nails' second band they signed. I think number the first one was Wish for Eden, and then and then yep. Focused. Uh, I'm not the original drummer. Al was the original drummer. Right. Uh, they yeah, Bull from Night Court. <laughs> they kicked him out. The Eagle from the Muppet Show. <laughs> they kicked him out, and I joined. Um, I'm gonna say '94 because that okay '94. So yeah, we did a couple Cornerstone. We played Hardcore '94 in Cornerstone. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> with uh, we went on a forty-day, forty-night tour with That's Unashamed. Right. I remember that um, Chatterbox with Jeff Blue uh, mm-hmm. and Focused. And I think there was I want to say there was like four or five cars. It was oh boy, it was ridiculous. Trying to stop and all right, let's pull over and get gas and. You know, as you know, there's no cell phones. No. We, 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 <laughs> we had at one point, I'm, I'm not sure if this was 94, 95, but we had walkie-talkies at, at some point. I think that might have yeah. been 94 with when we were kind of synced up with the Blenderhead guys and maybe the MXPX guys at a couple of shows. <laughs> but yeah, so I played drums for Focus for a couple of years and that was a hoot. I'm trying to put them together here. Was that the tour with the, the infamous food poisoning incident? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you get sick? No, I did not. I, uh, you know, being from Southern California, there's good Mexican food, as you know, in oh, Southern yeah. California. Oh, yeah. You know, they the guys, sometimes they'd want to eat it like, let's go to this Mexican place out in Ohio. <laughs> it was like <laughs> Velveeta no cheese way and ketchup good. sauce. You're like, no way, man. So I think this was... You know, 
uh, I want to say 94, Blenderhead, we're hooked up with Blenderhead or playing some, meeting up at some show in, in, I think, Virginia. And yeah, like so many people got food poisoning and I was not oh, one yeah. of them, fortunately. And people were, oh man. <laughs> All due to your, uh, to your elitist Mexican right. food stance. That's I'm rad. not Mexican as I well, like so, you know. So you got to represent. Yeah, and I, you know, I know what my grandma's food tastes like and my mom's food That's tastes right. like. and. I'm not going to eat any shitty Mexican food from no. Arkansas or no. something. I think, as I recall, a group of us went go-karting. I mean, I'm, I think yeah. I was 19, I think, or 20. So we went go-karting. And uh, I want to say that was the second <laughs> tour because Bloodshed, uh, we went on tour with Bloodshed in 94. So, yeah. Okay. And, and they were a lot younger. Yeah, they were little I dudes. I don't even know if they were somewhere in high school or what, but... Yeah, Matt Johnson mentioned on Billy's show that they le- that a bunch of people left and went to go do go karts, yep. and they were all the ones who survived <laughs> or whatever. Yep. Congratulations Thank on that. You. You know? Thank you. Wow, man. Okay, so you did the you did that yep, tour, two tours, forty days and forty no, that was nights. The first one was unashamed, man. That was just. I mean, you know, you're 19 years old and. Let's get from point A to point B and play music. And that's the only responsibility right. we have. And so being from Southern California, you know, when you, as soon as you find illegal fireworks, it just, you go nuts. <laughs> and so, you know, we're lighting them out of the van and shooting them at oh, each yeah. other. And, you know, Eric, Eric Churchill was, I think on that tour just for kicks and some other people, oh, I don't boy. even remember, but it was just, yeah, it was insane. It was fun. It was great. Oh man. I think we found... On one of those tours, we found this thing at a fireworks place that looked like a box of crayons. And you know, Southern California dudes, man, it's like you can't help yeah, it, man. Totally. You gotta like that shit. And we uh, we set we set this thing on fire in a parking lot, and dude, it was like a special effect from a film, like a Transformers, and there was just rockets shooting everywhere. And we're all running for cover, and we the rest of the night we're afraid we had set something yeah. on fire, and we were going to find out about it the next day or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I I just remember being so, you know, fireworks. We buy them right in the store, then mm-hmm. light them in the parking lot. <laughs> Stupid. Yeah. yeah, can't even wait. Yeah. Can't even wait to drive down the street. And I do remember a particular time. You know, you play these oddball, weird Christian places and whatever venues and stuff and i think it was starflyer 59 was playing and and focused which is just great matchup random pairing mm-hmm. <laughs> and i remember mm-hmm. yeah we were during or in between starflyer we're lighting you know shooting bottle rockets rockets at each other and dude, one <laughs> bottle rocket man just right up by andrew's ear just bang no. oh man that was a little like uh whoops <laughs> We really can get hurt, you know I guess. I don't know. I feel like Jeff Ballou told me a story from that tour that somebody, one of the knuckleheads in one of those bands, was teasing him about how the fireworks are really not that big of a deal and what are you so worried about? And Ballou said, uh, dude, you're on fire. It was Eric's friend, Brett. And I don't okay. think I laughed so hard. I was in tears. <laughs> Because they were bickering back and forth. And then, yeah, Jeff's, Jeff Singer was like, uh, dude, you're, yeah, you're on fire. 
Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. I remember that guy, Eric, actually. I kind of vaguely re- Man, those days, you know, you didn't live in the Newman house, no, no, right? No, no. But you for sure came by there multiple times. Mark, what, what, I, what's the Newman house? Okay, the Newman house is, uh, I mean, I've talked about it. So it's, it's a, it was a three-bedroom apartment in Huntington Beach right off of Beach Boulevard on Newman Avenue. And it was full of hooligans. bands. Full of hooligans. Yeah. Some knuckleheads, you know, focused guys in there, unashamed guys in there, outnumbered guys, me, and a crazy dude named Jim Keeble, who everyone was afraid of. Didn't Matt Wignall live there at one point? Wignall lived in there briefly. Brian Gray lived in there. Um, Aaron Bradford. And I, there were some peripheral guys. A guy named Kevin, who was always naked, <laughs> lived in there. Uh, <laughs> I know Eric Churchill lived there. But Tim, there. you know, know you're, lived there. Tim Mann lived, lived in there. there. He was the one who, who got me uh, in there. But, but I mean, we used to have Bible studies there and stuff, and all those all the guys would come over, and people would come over all the time. Sounds, I mean, that's sounds first, great. Sounds fun. Oh, yeah. Sounds very, very clean. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was, I don't think that place was ever cleaned once when all of us lived in there. And there was a guy who lived downstairs who didn't have, he had a prosthetic leg. I don't know why I'm laughing. Like, I think that's so funny. It is funny because he was crazy and he was like the typical Orange County white trash guy, you know, that people don't know exists. I don't remember his name, but he he didn't have some of his teeth Mm. and he was missing that leg. And him and his his white trash broad, they'd sit out in the in the backyard. We were on the top floor, mm-hmm. and they'd be out in the backyard sunbathing, like basically <laughs> naked. And that dude would be out there with his was the leg on or off with his prosthetic leg laying next to him, so he could sun. We used to talk about like who suns their stump. That is weird. <laughs> That guy, did he put did he put uh, some uh, sun lotion on on the prosthetic sure leg too, did. as well as the stump? I don't know, just so it didn't feel left out. <laughs> he used to bang on the on the ceiling when we were being too loud. He'd bang on the ceiling with his leg. <laughs> How do you know his boom, leg? Boom, boom. <laughs> How could you ever know his leg? That's a way better know. story, man. That... He took it off and was like, da da. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's what they the guys used to talk. Dude, well, he'll get so mad. He he bangs on the roof with his with his leg. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I'm sure you came around the Newman house in those times. I just remember that all of a sudden focused was in time. <laughs> Cuz I I had known the guys for years, you yeah. know. I mean, we'd played a bunch of shows with them with the Crucified yeah. and you know, no offense to Al, if you're out there, you were a trippy dude and you did play a whole a long time with a broken leg. I remember That's that. <laughs> yeah, like a, but yeah, a I remember cast on his when leg. You joined the band, dude. You could, you could. It was like, oh yeah, focus. They're they're in time now. Right, for sure, it was fun. I mean, you know, I'd known those guys for a while, just knew, from skating and all that kind of stuff. So you a, just did you just meet them from living in Southern California or something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Somebody knew somebody, and you know, Dirk and uh, Andrew and Mikey. I think they all went to the same high school in long beach and i don't know there's some connection it was all skating and so yeah and then and then you know andrew i mean i was in 10th grade 15 or 16 and then you know he 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 was always the kind of music guy with all the seven inches and yeah he knew tons about music and so he started taking us to these shows these you know hardcore straight edge shows and 
downtown Long Beach at this venue called Toe Jam, which is <laughs> wow, it's really old. And so, I, you know, there was bands we saw inside out there, you know, Zach's nice. oh, yeah. band and <laughs> Strife and Chorus of Disapproval and, you know, all these Southern California hardcore bands and, you know, sure. When you're 15, you're, I was just like, "What the hell is this?" You know, and it was, it yeah, was amazing. This is amazing. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> you know, what about Zed Records? Were you a Zed Records uh, faithful patron? Uh, yeah, I went in there. I mean, my, I was, you know, the straight edge hardcore or X's for a couple of years. Um, I don't know, but before that, you know, I kind of, you know, before that was punk rock, the Dead Kennedys and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Before that, you know, the music I got introduced to was like Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. So, so sure. you know, you know, music comes, kind it comes in phases and you like this genre and then yep. you're out of this genre. But so that lasted a couple of years. And even when I was in focus, I was, I wasn't listening to hardcore music. I mean, I've always been a yeah. huge dinosaur jr fan and i was into sebado and just stuff like that and so but i mean i knew those guys and it was fun it was fun playing drums and you know kids flying everywhere and you know going on tour and goofing off it was just great so you know stuck with it was uh did focused exist i mean when did focused kind of wrap it up was it uh, a- i want to say we had our last show gosh man i want to say 95 maybe 96 it was in costa mesa with i don't remember who was uh i mean mike merriman was in the band at the time yeah. jason parker no 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 mike merriman dirk was playing bass right a- andrew was playing guitar that's right okay Tim, and then i was playing drums yeah okay okay so that's that, that setup that was the only setup that i played with gotcha gotcha yeah i would uh i remember those days man all those bands jeff blue's little saying i brought it up just the other day in another uh-huh. uh conversation i was having ed's night out that's yeah, what, what yeah, blue would call it you know focus unashamed unashamed yeah. Yeah. anyway yeah the crucified but yeah yeah how to, was what fun. was it with that thing? Where did you got? Did you did you play on Bow? No, no, no. I played on the Hope That Lies Within and Hope Lies Within. There was a I don't remember Tooth and Nail maybe put out some kind of hardcore comp or something. Okay, that they we redid a song into another song. Yeah, God, man, that's embarrassing. I don't remember helpless what the amongst songs are friends. Maybe was yep. that maybe what that yep. was? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That, that was, was exactly a bit, pretty big deal. I think everybody was really stoked on that compilation. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That was fun. Yeah. And we recorded that in the green room. Oh, yeah. Did you do a Gene? I don't remember. Maybe Bob Moon. I think might have. Okay, did Bob it. Moon think, was probably I think, there. I think. I think it was Bob Moon. Yeah, I had him on the show too. Man, he's he's seen a few phases of bands and studios come and go oh yeah 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 i i, I listened to that yeah he, That's right, he yeah. did the merbabies which was this other i played guitar and the, the merbabies and did that and he recorded our first demo 
I think we drove out to Riverside. Is that where he lived? And yeah, yeah, Corona that. or something, Riverside Corona. Or Corona or something like that, but I believe that's what we did. But So Focus breaks up, and then was it Merbabies yep. right after that, or was it just kind of here and there and everywhere? I've always played guitar, you know. Uh, I kind of like guitar better um, just because I can make melodies and, mm-hmm. you know, just express what I want to express through words and melodies. It's just a little different than drums. Playing drums by yourself is, eh, yeah, it's yeah. not that fun. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. And, and I, you know, I never considered myself like a great drummer. You know, I'd, I'd see these guys and go like, yeah, that guy, he's a real drummer. Right. Like, you know, doing these things where you're just like, gee, holy moly. Like Matt Johnson, you know, see, yeah. I see him play with Blenderhead or Roadside Monument and be like, that guy is a real drummer, <laughs> you know? I can keep some time and do some fills and, you know, okay at it, but I don't, I, I never considered myself like, Hey, I'm a real drummer and right. you know, I got the chops. Get me from, get me from there to, to Long Beach and, um, and the, and the time when we were neighbors and of course. Right. Yeah. So man, I lived at home way too long. <laughs> <laughs> that was not healthy. So I basically lived at home and then got married and went from home to married. And I was 20, I think I just turned, I was 24, I think, or 25 mm-hmm. when I got married. Um, and I, I had no idea what the hell I was doing. Yeah. No clue. And then my wife then, she was 20. And so, you know, it's kids and yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And, you know, my upbringing was, you know, wasn't the healthiest and I wasn't modeled a good, healthy, sustainable marriage <laughs> my parents. And so I just was winging it, you know. Are your parents still together or? They're still together, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, they are still together. Okay. Um, and living in Southern California. Wow. Um, but yeah, so we got married and moved into that place. And, you know, it was okay for a couple of years. And, you know, this the whole time, man, this is going to get real, but. It's okay. What the hell? Let's go there. So. Let's go there. Let's get in there. All right. So the whole time, man, I was, I was totally addicted to porn and looking at porn and just like in that whole thing. And it was just, no kidding. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was horrible. It was awful. And that really just stunted a lot of things. And, you know, do you feel like it made you see your wife differently? And did you? I mean, do you, Oh yeah. It made me see everything differently. Myself, the world, yeah. God, everything. I mean, it's such a, such a toxic, toxic addiction, you know? And, and I was hooked on that and I couldn't stop. And, right. you know, it was a secret and, you know, that kind of stuff. I didn't tell anybody from the shame and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it took a toll, you know? I mean, when you're looking at that stuff, you don't know what true intimacy is. You don't know mm-hmm. your own feelings because you're escaping and using, you know, I mean, that's what kind of addiction is. You're using a substance or whatever it is to escape and not deal with what's happening in inside you. So I was, you know, using this and people use whatever, but, right. and so I never learned how to be honest, how to say like, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. And so, or what true intimacy was emotionally and, and it just stunted that. And so yeah, it just, it took a toll and our relationship just slowly, but surely just deteriorated and just crumbled mm. and got distant and just, you know, we became real distant and just weird and it was painful, really painful. 
we weren't super close, obviously, at the time. You know, we were. Right. I think we would consider ourselves, you know, borderline acquaintances. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and Stephanie was was at the time working with your wife at the time, your then wife um, at that clothing yeah. store or whatever. Uh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, I she was down that. there. What the heck is that I place? Buffalo that. Exchange. Huh. And um, mm-hmm. in fact, honestly, I think she may have gotten her the job there. But, uh-huh. you know, from the outside, we thought it was all her, man. You know, I mean, if I'm being mm-hmm. totally honest and if we're going to go there, we're just going to get all, all the way in, you know, like I go for it. I didn't see her. I didn't understand what was going on, you know, and, and we're like, what, who, what are we going to say? We're not close enough to really jump in there yeah, and blast yeah. or anything like that. And, and no, 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 no. And in all honesty, she wasn't exactly, you know, close to us, you know? Uh, right, right, right. And I just remember there being a really dark time there when, you know, mm. you were often alone, Yep. <laughs> you know? Um, and there were things that were said that were just... To, I just call bullshit on it, you know? I'm sorry, man. I, yeah. I don't mean to le- let you off the hook because you clearly are aware of, of a, a situation, a sinful situation and yeah. presence in your life that you needed to yep. deal with. But I also would yep. say, as an outside observer, I just like, what's this mm-hmm. chick's trip, you know? People who are married, we bring baggage sure. to the marriage, you know? And I brought my baggage, and I can only speak for me and... My stuff, I mean, I mean, you say it got dark, and yeah, it got real dark and weird. I mean, we were, I was going to one bar, she was going to another mm. bar. I mean, that was another escape from the, you know, pain. And yeah. She was meeting new friends, and I was meeting new people. I mean, it was awful. It was really dark and just really, we were living just such separate lives. And, oh, gosh, man, it was, it was a really hard, hard time. Yeah. And, you know, I mean... I can't speak for her, sure. but I mean, she decided enough was enough and that's the way it is. But I mean, I, I blew it, man. I mean, I got to own that. So you're just, telling me just for the record, you, you're putting it on you. Um, I mean, again, I, I only can take responsibility for me. I mean, she chose mm-hmm. that. I didn't want that. You know, I didn't want divorce. I didn't sign yeah. any papers, you know, um, and, and that's what she chose. Um, I wanted to work it out, but that's, you know, that's, she chose to do that. Um, right. That's about all I can say. I mean, you know. well, let me, I mean, dude, be honest. Did you, was there infidelity that it finally go f- beyond the pornographic issue and to like an actual. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, you know, I didn't have a sexual affair, mm-hmm. but you know, when we were separated, you know, I had feelings for a, another girl another girl and so and that was just man that was just to be blunt that was just pretty fucked up and so my my emotions were all over the place and so it was just a mess and i mean of course that affected her in weird ways and stuff like that and and, you know why do you i mean why were you going there man what 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 were you trying (laughs) to fill a hole was trying to you know there's a i mean i I'm no therapist, man, but yeah. you know, I've heard many times that the reason you, like you even mentioned it yourself, what addiction is, you know, yeah. what was the hole you were trying to fill there? You got me, man. I mean, I'm, I was 20, that was t- three, four years of my life. We were married. Uh, I mean, I'll answer that, but I mean, just to give you an example, I used to go down 
to Kesara, you know, and mm-hmm. by myself, which is just weird. And dude, I used to take my ring off and walk in that place, get some drinks and maybe I'll flirt with somebody. I mean, just to get that quote unquote connection or high or whatever. And that's, I mean, not do anything else, but I mean, it was just, I was out of control. Yeah. I mean, yeah. addiction does that to you. At some point you're out of control and I was out of control. So you, you, you believe that, and I'm not questioning it. I'm just trying to sort it out. Yeah. Do you, I hate to use the word feel because that's such a kind of a flaky word, you know, <laughs> but, um, do you believe that this, this addiction prevented you from having intimacy with, with your wife, you know, was that, and therefore, you know, the, the wandering eye of both of you, yeah, you know, was given a, a, a reason or a way out. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good question. Um, I do believe that, you know, for me, um, being addicted to pornography, I did, again, I didn't know what intimacy was. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes. Like we didn't, I don't think we had true, true intimacy, you know? And, and, you know, I think there's different, you know, there's physical intimacy and spiritual intimacy and emotional intimacy, and there's different kind of realms of intimacy. And like, I don't think we had any of that. You know, I was going to church and we were going to Grace Brethren and I was just playing this part of Christian, just going through the motions and I joined the club but I mean, you know, I'm addicted to porn and it was just a mess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, I mean, pornography addiction definitely is a false intimacy and you, you, you can't, I mean, it's like, you can't have a healthy marriage. Yeah. You know, in, in a, in a good healthy marriage, if you're one of the people are looking at porn and just addicted to that and not doing anything about it, not getting help or anything. So <laughs> sure. So that ended. Yeah. Well, where do you go after that man yeah yeah i mean she i mean we were yeah going to bars partying and again using that as an escape alcohol as well and we were at this party and she just i mean said you know i'm leaving you so and that was like at a party yeah at a party and that was a huge like wake-up call Mm. that was like a what what do you, what do you mean? You know? Cause I mean, that was, it was weird. I mean, it was such a dark place that I became, um, just, uh, I didn't care mm. anymore. I didn't care if it went one way or the other. I became apathetic, which is a really dangerous, yeah. dark place. When you become apathetic towards your spouse sure, or your marriage man. and the relationship, I mean, that's just crazy. And, but until she said she made the kind of, first move in a sense she said I'm leaving I just oh my gosh I went home and she stayed the night somewhere else and that started the whole thing that started the whole thing and she you know she she never really looked back you know she uh once she made up her mind I mean I'm sure she made it up before that but Mm -hmm. yeah she was done and so she left and but I do remember I mean yeah that time I mean just you know personally I remember you know, there are times when you and I would hang out and you were there, man. And I appreciated that. I remember one time specifically walking from the driveway and, and I was like, so I had so much shame and embarrassment and just like, you know, you know, she was living somewhere else and I didn't want to see anybody. And you just like, 
kind of stopped me and got in front of me and just like put your arms out and <laughs> hugged me. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but thank well, you for that. If you probably don't remember, but that meant a lot. And there were some times when we went upstairs and yeah. talked, and you know, it meant a lot because that was a painful, painful, painful man. time. Man, um, I mean, anyone who's gone through a divorce, you know, they yeah. know what it's like. And man, it is. I, I don't. I don't wish that on my worst enemy. That was awful. Awful. I gotta say, man, like I didn't know how deeply okay. things were going. I mean, you know, I feel like yeah, you couldn't have known. You couldn't have known. I didn't tell you. <laughs> All is forgotten. Lifted by the riverside. Thrown it down the canyons and walked away. beliefs uh and they're welcome to them yep to which i can say it's not mine i have my own beliefs i believe in a supernatural god mm. can't help it man it's just yeah. it's just what i what i've seen if you could show me uh, uh an instance in, in where the supernatural experiences of my life could be written off as something else dude go for it you know <laughs> i don't know man i just <laughs> I, i'm grateful for opportunities to be uh to be a friend but i gotta say <laughs> seems like i don't know dude you're a, you're a completely different person now like you don't seem like the same guy at all even you know did i'd follow like what was going on with you from a distance and stuff i know i mean i know you moved up up north and mm -hmm. um and and then the photography thing kind of opening up and then eventually yeah. you you know where are you guys at now? Are you in Denver? Are you in Colorado? Uh, Colorado, yeah. Colorado Springs, Colorado. Colorado. So yeah, I mean, uh, that was 2005. I moved to Seattle. I mean, I had, I just, man, I mean, I was living in that apartment and I just thought I got a, about two choices here. Yeah. One, I kill myself or two, I try and get through this and learn and move on. Oh. And so I thought, Jeez. you know, I moved, 
I moved in with some friends uh, in Long Beach, which was fantastic for like nine months. It was great. It was really hard, but really good. And then uh, I just thought, I got to get out of here. I need to start over. I need sure. to start fresh and and get some help. I need help, man. I need, need Where'd you? Help. Where did you get the help? Well, the first thing, you know, I did, I went to this like conference, this like, uh, you know, it's called Every Man's Battle Conference. And that was the first time I'd ever heard the, you know, these wounds and, you know, the emotion, the intimacy, the father wounds, like all this stuff. And it just killed me, just like hmm. ripped my guts out. I'd never heard anything like that. I didn't even know, like, you know, there was things for guys who want to stop. Yeah, I didn't, I just, I didn't know. I had no idea. And yeah. So that opened my eyes a lot. And, you know, I started getting help and, uh, you know, just meeting with people and just opening up to people and, you know, just, I was at such a broken place. Like I didn't care. I didn't have any pride or shame or embarrassment. It was just like, I have nothing to lose. I've lost everything. So, so I moved up to Seattle in 2005 and, you know, just, uh, I knew Matt Johnson from the road and I knew Ed from Blenderhead as well. And a couple mm -hmm. other guys, Greg, and I moved in with Ed, um, and his wife and I lived in their basement which by myself and I didn't know anybody. So that was, <laughs> it was just, Oh my gosh. It was, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life, you know, move up there, but I knew I had to. Okay. And so, you know, I, and I, and I kind of came to the realization, like I had tried things and done things the best I knew how, and just, just fallen flat on my face and, and just, so I just was like, you know what? I give up, you know, I'm yeah. done doing stuff my way. God, if you're real, I don't know if you are like, I'm going to do things your way. And so I joined this church called Mars Hill, which is a whole nother, uh, whole nother uh, enchilada. We can talk hello. about it. I mean, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. But How I many mean, hours you know, we got here? Let's <laughs> But I, you know, I knew Matt, Matt, Matt Johnson was there and his wife Rose and, you know, knew a couple other people and that was hard too. I mean, going and walking into a mega church, not knowing I'd never been to a mega church, mm -hmm. you know, from Grace Brother into like lights, camera, action, <laughs> it comes the smoke and stuff, you know, joined a men's group and started seeing a therapist who specialized in sex addiction and, okay. man, I just... I just, you know, I needed help. And so I got help and it was tough, but it was incredible. And, and, and I can look back and say, that was the absolutely worst thing that's ever happened to me, but also the best thing that's ever happened to me all in one sentence, huh. which is crazy. And I wouldn't want to do it again. And I wouldn't have <laughs> chose that. Uh, yeah. Let me ask God you something. Is bigger I mean, than, you know, you, God is bigger than that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's something that um, is kind of close to me due to uh, some very dear friends. I've never had a counseling session of any kind, okay? Mm. Mm. And I, I sometimes think maybe I, well, not maybe, I probably need to do that, okay? <laughs> yeah. There's some jacked up shit up here, man. I mean, listen, that's just, it is what it is. And I... Maybe it's a it's out of fear of what will be drawn to the surface. I don't know, but mm. you know, there's a stigma in the faith in in 
and particularly, uh, you know, Christianity or followers of Christ in America about going to a therapist, you know, mm. how come you don't just go to your pastor or blah, 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 blah. I mean, can you weigh in on that at all? Do you feel like that was definitely a, I mean, was that a helpful experience for you? Do you, mm. you know, what would you, what would you, if I was going through a, a, a similar situation, would you suggest that I do the same? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's a difference between pastoral counseling. That's one type of counseling, mm -hmm. um, you know, you know, psychiatric or psychological counseling. There's, there's, it's, it's different. It's really different behavioral counseling, all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I needed all the help I can get. Yeah. And, you know, one of the oh. first things my therapist asked, he was like, well, you know, what is grief to you? We started with grief and I was just like, I don't know, man, just try and forget about it. I don't know. And he's like, okay, we'll start there. It's a good place to start because I just didn't know. I needed someone to help me. And, yeah. you know, I stuck with this guy like four or five years and it was fantastic. I mean, uh -huh. I learned just a ton about myself being aware, you know, what, what is intimacy, what is grief, what is being vulnerable look like, what is being honest look like, you know, just, I didn't know that stuff. That stuff wasn't uh, taught to me or programmed or wired or whatever you want to say. It just wasn't there. And so yeah. I, at, you know, 30 years old, I had to learn, oh, okay, that's what in, true intimacy is, you know? Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I, I would recommend it to anybody. I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand the fear because it is, you're talking about, I mean, a good counselor knows how to just ask the right questions yeah and just you know he doesn't he or she wouldn't just just do this or give you an answer it's just like you know slow process i don't know man there's something to be said for um christian people i'm sorry about all the tags man it's i don't know what else to do you know believers whatever claiming all these different things you know i'm i'm, I'm yeah. i was broken before god and i was humble before god but to admit that you needed all the help you can get. Totally. I don't think that that's really acceptable in the Christian. We're okay with saying we need help from God, but help from man. Nah. You know what I mean? Like there's almost, that's yeah. partially where the stigma I think comes from. It's like, dude, if you truly are in a, in a spot admitting you need all the help you can get might be mm -hmm. the best way of going about it and i don't know i think there's something to be said for it yeah well i mean put it this way i mean if i was addicted to heroin or cocaine or something and i'm not gonna go to the church and be like hey yeah i need can you guys help <laughs> yeah, me yeah. like get off heroin i mean interesting they wouldn't they're not equipped for that they wouldn't know what to do you know and it's like i mean i think slowly but surely you know people are talking more about porn and you know that's kind of yeah finally they're talking about it in the church but i mean they're talking you know, about just... it on bad christian i think we discovered that <laughs> <laughs> there you go I do. hey man i mean it's out there but i mean you know you just wouldn't go like it's it's not like the church is gonna have some re rehabilitation facility and you know it's just not equipped for that yeah. I, mean, it's, it's, I don't think that's what it's for you know it's not for that huh. you know i mean you know it's interesting going to mars hill and that whole s implosion and explosion and deplosion <laughs> story i mean you know they i i just learned like man it's 
it's okay to get help outside of the church. Yeah. I, think I mean, that's, that just sounds so simple and like basic, but no dude, it's not a simple thing to say. It's actually a terrifying thing to say. Listen, I have, I have, I'm not going to say who just because, but one of the closest people to me on the face of this earth and not my wife <laughs> went to therapy years ago and was ostracized from the church for doing so. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Huh? And the, the interesting thing being, a lot of the reason he was going to therapy was the church. So why because the, the hell would you go to the, you know, if you, yeah. sometimes you need that. Um, I think there's just this part of it that has to do with fearing that we're trying to take over control of our own lives as opposed to trusting God with them. Yeah. But there's also something to be said for taking hold of what God's put into your hands and just doing mm-hmm. something about it, you know? Totally. I mean, yeah, God's bigger than that. I mean, we were talking before. I mean, you know, and man, and I'm coming out of Mars Hill. I'm kind of redefining, you know, what what is church? Yeah. You know, what did it look like in the Bible? I mean, is it just this, you know, again, this like super dude up there and talking and like, you know, making everyone laugh and, you know, this loud music and stuff and like all that stuff. It's just like, man, I'm really starting to think like, I don't I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want the, the lights. I just want, I just want this. We're talking, we're, we're just talking. Yeah. Let's talk about God and life and, and, and how shitty it is and how great it is, how amazing it is. And let's eat some food and, <laughs> and if we want to pray, let's pray. If not, we don't have to pray. Let's just eat. Yeah. Like, let's just talk and, you know, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm kind of in a, in the middle of figuring stuff out in the middle of a process. Nah, it doesn't sound to me like you're in the middle of, <laughs> you kind of got it figured out, brother. I'm serious, man. No, no, no. I, I, I don't want, I'm not saying I that. I don't, I'm not saying, yeah, okay, don't worry. Yeah. You're good. You're going to slide into home. I'm just saying, I'd say that's, this is substantially, uh, a substantially better place than oh, yeah. the other. How about that? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Somewhere along the lines I heard you're looking for me You're asking people questions Where's he been? You're pursuing me regardless Whether I wanted to meet you You're trying to track me down Though I, I keep on running round of of great you know talk about how things are shitty talk about how things are great i mean dude you have like a kid yeah you're warming up bottles in the microwave your wife is in the periphery you're talking about this this is something that people need to know 
His, yeah. It's not like we're in a sequestered room. This conversation that's happening is happening in the dude's house. His wife is in there. <laughs> so I think that that's, I don't, that sounds pretty great. Yeah. It's uh it's redemption oh, wow. to put it simple. It's redemption. And amen. And you know that, I mean, I moved up to Seattle and geez, man, I, I mean, I had to, I had to do some work before I started dating again. Yeah. I had to do a lot of work. And, uh, you know, I, I met, uh, my current wife, Tara, okay. uh, and man, like I got, I mean, we got married in 2009, you know, we had our, we have our little daughter, Josie, <laughs> who's, uh, you know, she was born in November, uh, 2013. So she's like one and a half. Um, Tara's pregnant with our second. I mean, congratulations. Obviously. You know, it's, it's, it's redemption. I mean, just, to, wow. to I don't, I don't know what other word there is, but I mean, it's a lot different. It's a lot different. That's for sure. Are you candid with her about the past? And you know, do you talk oh, about yeah. that? Yeah, obviously. You oh, would absolutely. Be. I mean, <laughs> you're not dropping yeah. this information on her for the first time ever. She's like sitting yeah, off. She's going like, to hear what? this. She's probably going to hear this podcast and we're going to have to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's beautiful, dude. It's a beautiful thing. Go back to, to the dark time briefly. Sure. And think one day I'm going to be living in Colorado, happily married with a child and another one on the way yeah. with a new record. And you know what I mean? Like, how did you get yeah. how? Yeah. I mean, that's what's so crazy is like, I couldn't, you can't think this up. I couldn't have said like, oh yeah, I'm gonna, this is where I'm going to be in 10 years. No, no one can. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we can't fathom. I mean, even 10 years from now, like even a year from now. I don't know, even a week from now, like, really, can we really go like, this is how it's going to be, no. where I'm going to be and exactly the conversations or anything. Like, I don't know. But I mean, I know I could, we can trust the Lord about that, trust God, something outside of ourselves that, okay, he knows what's happening and stuff like that. <laughs> but I mean, in those dark times, I mean, I wasn't thinking about, again, here's my choices. I either kill myself <laughs> or I move on and, and, and try and get some help. That's about as far as my thinking was. Yeah. Nevertheless, here you are. <laughs> here I am. You know? Yeah. I mean, I moved to Seattle in 2005 and got married in 2009 and we just, just moved to Colorado Springs last October. Right. And I love Seattle. I thought I'd never leave Seattle. I just, it's, it's a fantastic city and yeah. community and people and just, you know, it's, it's, I what love, brought you I out to it. Colorado job. Okay. <laughs> you know, you start having some kids and you're the breadwinner and I think about that stuff a little bit more. Seattle's it, it's expensive town. And so, uh, I, I work, I, you know, I've been doing photography forever, mm -hmm. you know, and I also, we didn't talk about it. I worked at a bar for four years and bartended for four years. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. It was great. I loved it. And I learned a ton uh, from bartending. You know, as yeah. you know, learn how to read some people and oh, yeah. deal with people and all that kind of good stuff. But, uh, you know, photography has always been a huge passion, photography and music, those two things. And so, you know, I, I worked at a bar for four years and freelanced, did photography for about three years and hustled, man. It is anyone who's run their own business and, and, and is an entrepreneur it is, uh, it is really, really hard. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the IRS is not kind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. They're bastards. Yeah. And so, you know, 
it's just tough, man. And then my, my buddy, Greg, uh, he, who I met, met in Seattle, he started this company called visual supply company, Visco cam. I'm sure people have seen the hashtag okay. on it's everywhere. Visco cam. And so he, you know, called me up and said, Hey, what do you, what do you, where are you at? You know? And I just said, now struggling and just hustling and this and that. And he said, well, why don't you come out to Colorado Springs and, you know, look around and see what you think about working for Visco. Hmm. So, uh, so we did, we flew out and Josie was six months and, you know, took the job and, uh, in June and then October we moved out here and wow. we've been, you know, I've been working for Visco and it's fantastic. It's amazing. How do you like living out there? Uh, it's different. It's not Seattle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Still getting used to it. You know, the mountains are gorgeous, you know, but, uh, it's, uh, it's the urban sprawl, you know, hmm. it's, uh, it's Colorado Springs military town a lot of conservative christians a lot of churches and but you know we're trying to figure it out and sure it's it's hard it's tough you know and what does make meet new people and stuff what does tara do she works harder than i do <laughs> and takes care of our one and a half year old daughter oh boy oh boy <laughs> and is uh you know we're expecting number two so yeah it's not gonna get so, easier yeah. you don't think it's not <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't have any kids, so I don't know how this. Sh- I don't totally. know how this shit works. It, man. Yeah, the more kids you have, the easier it gets. Oh, sweet! Exactly, exactly. So just keep doing so, that, and you're good. Uh huh. Yeah. Totally, man. And the cheaper it gets, too, you know, it's just less expensive. Oh yeah. <laughs> so saving money left and right. You're saving money. Oh, it's <laughs> awesome. But I mean, it's I wouldn't change it for anything. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fantastic. It's amazing, and you know, and yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, it's crazy to go 10 years ago. This is where I was at. Now I'm here. I mean, it's just, that's insane. I would ask, I mean, how does, you know, you're out here, you're not just out there doing the Visco thing. You know, you you have the, the, the band, other desert cities and and a new album out. I mean, how does the music on that reflect? How how closely does it reflect what's gone on in your life and where you've kind of the paths you've taken? Yeah. So 2001, we put out a record uh, on Velvet Blue Music. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we did another record in 2005 uh, called "On the Verge of Collapsing." Um, then after all, you know, after I got divorced, I just I stopped playing music. Yeah. I just I had I had to put that aside. Sure, I I couldn't you know do that, and so I didn't play for a year or two. And then you know I got all this stuff in me and all this emotion, and that's a way as you know as a songwriter you're expressing a lot of feelings and in, in this medium that you know is music and so I, was, I gotta get some songs out and so get some people to play with and stuff like that mm. and so you know i started playing music together again got a band together and you know started playing around seattle and um we recorded an ep uh last summer and uh and then I moved, <laughs> which kind of was a little tough, but got to do what you got to do yep. to provide for the family. And, uh, you know, EP is, you know, this five song EP, which is like, you know, it's a lot of expression. It's a lot of, uh, you know, it's called songs of lament mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's the first songs hunt me down, which is basically a song, um, about the Lord, you know, if, if God wants a, to get a hold of your heart, he's going to win. He's going <laughs> to, you know, what are you going to do? Fight God? I yeah. mean, you know, it's like he's going to win. So that's about that and kind of realizing, you know, that 
you know, I'm not my own. Like, you know, there's something bigger than me. Thank goodness. There's something bigger than me out there. (laughs) Dude, I, I, (laughs) all I can say is everything that's coming out of my mouth right now sounds really, really small (laughs) in comparison. I'm just very, dude, I'm encouraged and blessed and, uh, I don't know, stoked for you, man. I I just to see the transition because you're not this like over the top personality that I've never trusted that, you know, I have never trusted that person. That's so Mm. like, yeah, no man, things are great, bro. You know, like I, that dude is not talking. I don't know who that guy is talking to, but it ain't me, you know? And I also, you know, these people like to like drape themselves in all this like highfalutin doctrine or what, you know what I mean? Like all these big (laughs) ideas or whatever, and and the truth is, is I trust the simple, um, quieter ones. I don't know, man. <laughs> I just think it's so, it is such a, a massive testimony to me of the existence of God mm. and of the existence of a God who could love, you know, yep. yeah. to see what has happened in your life, man. I, I don't yeah. know how else to say it. It's oh, I, I absolutely. It's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. You realize how much God loves you and cares for you and wants good for you, mm. you know, and you know, you got to make some choices and on your own and I'm not going to talk, even touch like free will and oh man, <laughs> I have no idea, but I do know like, you know, yeah, it's, it is crazy. It is crazy, yeah, crazy. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you and I are talking about it, That's right? You know, and I haven't seen you in ten years. I know, it's crazy to me. <laughs> it's beautiful. What the hell? Ah, uh, yes, Chris Bowden. I love that guy. I have to say, also, I love that other Desert Cities record freaking great how great is it i had to force myself to cut the jam short okay so please go to otherdesertcities.com otherdesertcities.com and uh click on the purchase link telling you it is so good lyrics melodies musicianship production i mean seriously man it's great i want to see a couple of those songs live oh yeah and seriously for five bucks Basically, a cheap beer or a disgusting, overly sugary coffee for of one day, by the way. You can do that. And, uh, you know, it would provide a lovely drive-time soundtrack for you commuters out there who are not listening to this show. Uh, let's see. There are at least three songs off of that, off that uh, album. Ah, there are the sirens. <laughs> I'm leaving them in there. Yep. Songs of Lament got my old black heart a little misty, so, uh, you know, check it out. I'm very proud of you, Chris. Tonight you heard Sirens, and also from other desert cities, Songs of Lament, Hunt Me Down, and my favorite song on the album, The Captain. Also, you heard My Blood from Focused, The uh, the Hope That Lies Within, one of the early Tooth and Nail records. How's that for some back in the day? Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. What? Wait, what are we? Oh, hi. Oh, yes, and who could forget? Chud. They're not staying down there anymore. 
just one, one thing. Dear Chuds, you know, while you are down there, please stay quieter should I end up living above you. As always, this show was produced by Billy Power of UrbanAchieverShow.com and the Urban Achiever Podcast. All of the music from this episode comes from my latest album, the self-titled White Lighter on Northern Records. This episode and all other episodes, as well as my book, and very, very soon all sorts of cool loot, can be found at INeverWas.com. All episodes are currently available on iTunes as well. Uh, my thanks to Chris Bowden for sharing and, uh, and to you for listening. And remember, write to us at the Twilight Zone at INeverWas.com if you want to be part of the next Letters episode. It is coming up. Uh, the theme for the next one is Still In or Out. What is your relationship with the church and or the faith these days and why? Hit us up. Let us know. Until then, peace and love. Rainbow out.